Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Welcome to Pirates Talk, presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. Thank you so very much for your company. There's a holiday present awaiting Hoops fans this weekend with the renewal of the Garden State Hardwood Classic between Rutgers and Seton Hall at Prudential Center on Saturday. The 8.30 p.m. tip-off features two teams that desperately need a win. Seton Hall comes off a blowout loss to Baylor on Tuesday, which dropped the Pirates' record to 5-3. They've now lost three of their last four. Meanwhile, Rutgers has dropped its last two games by big margins, falling to 5-3 also on the season, following its most recent loss to Wake Forest on Wednesday. So there's tension in the air as Shaheen Holloway and Steve Peichel, the head coaches at the Hall and Rutgers respectively, try to find the winning touch. But there's nothing like a rivalry to get the players' attention, get the fans' attention, and get the blood going. Seton Hall has won the last four games played at the Rock and defeated Rutgers 45-43 last year at the Rack. One team will stop its fall, one team will keep tumbling. There's always a lot on the line when these two teams meet. Saturday, there's a bit more. It should be a blast. My special guest on today's podcast is John Fanta, who will have the play-by-play call on FS1. He's here to preview the big matchup between these longtime rivals, and that interview comes your way after this message from Jag One Physical Therapy. A proud sponsor of Seton Hall Athletics, Jag One Physical Therapy gets you back to the life you love. Voted the number one physical therapy company based on first-class patient care and outcomes, Jag One Physical Therapy is invested in your full recovery. Your preferred in-network rehabilitation provider, Jag One Physical Therapy, has convenient locations throughout New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.jag1pt.com. John Fanta, I think you're the busiest man in college basketball, maybe in all of sports these days. So thanks very much for giving me a few minutes of your time. Matt, it is great to be with you. Always love talking basketball with you. And we're at a a great time of year, right when non-conference play is about to conclude and, and you get into the grind of your league. And while Seton Hall has Missouri on the horizon, the focus is on the Rutgers game, of course. And I'm just wondering for each team, uh, they're five and three. Seton Hall's lost three out of its last four, got humbled against Baylor. Rutgers has lost its last two, got humbled by Wake Forest this week. Is it too early to say that this game will go a long way to determining what the rest of the year holds for these teams? It is not too early. I think it's a must-win game for both teams. Not to say that the season's over if you don't win, but I think it goes a long way in how your season trajectory is going to end up. The fact is, both these teams, Seton Hall and Rutgers, need a signature win of some sort. And this is why you play this game. It's typically nestled on the second weekend of December. And it comes during a time where, for Rutgers, they did start Big Ten play the first weekend. They, they did get humbled against Illinois. For Seton Hall, it, it comes during a time where it's not like the Pirates don't challenge themselves. They have, but they haven't put together a complete game. And I think that's what's interesting for both teams. It's not as if both teams have, have really, really, really struggled, okay? Because Seton Hall's won the games they've had to. And Matt, as I talked to you, Xavier's lost games to Oakland and Delaware in the last two weeks. So if you're out there and you're saying, oh, they, they haven't broken through. Well, they also haven't had the letdown. 
And that's important because when you can then beat a Big Ten opponent or Rutgers can beat a Big East opponent, where does it position you? And that's just it with Rutgers. They lost to a Princeton team that has a top 10 net. And they've lost to Illinois and at Wake Forest. Illinois is not a harmful loss. At Wake, tough, tough to lose by 19. I think the biggest thing for these two teams is what happens on the offensive end of the floor. Can they get consistency? Rutgers shows some signs at Wake, but the fact is Noah Fernandes shots four for 13. Gavin Griffiths was 0 for 5. It's going to be hard to win games when, when you're in that position. And it feels like right now Rutgers' offense is just disjointed. They only had eight assists in the game against Wake Forest, and they had 14 turnovers. That's not a winning formula. Seton Hall and their loss to Baylor. Look, Kadari Richmond was terrific. I mean, he, he really played a, uh, a strong game, 18 points, six assists, just one turnover, four rebounds, three steals. But, Matt, four for 13 from three. And Alamir Dawes has got to turn it on for this Seton Hall team to get going. As Shaheen Holloway said in his postgame radio interview the other night, Al is the captain of this team. So Shah is willing to live with the, the – the shot taking, and you have to. You need him to hit shots. You have to hope that that some of those are going to fall at home on Saturday night. I think that is a very important key to this game. Which team can hit away from the perimeter? Uh, if neither one does, then we're going to be in for a, a 45-43 game like last <laughs> Which was a slugfest. It was a hell of a game, and uh, and Defoe with the uh, with the bucket at the end, uh, or near the end, uh, Rutgers still had some chances to tie or take the lead on a three, but at any rate, uh, it was it was a, a slugfest. It was a Jersey-style slugfest, and if it works out Seton Hall's way, I guess everyone will take it. I know Shaheen is scratching his head as to why this veteran team and he's got a team that you know in in richmond and dawes and bediaco uh ade wusu these are seniors grad post-grad guys why have they gotten off to such slow starts in your estimation well i i think that there's maybe a, a a tightness uh to a start to the season and you know you can you can sense that when you're back and the spotlight is, is on you and you've got to have success for your team to win games. I think maybe it's that pressure. Uh, I think it, it can be that pressure. And I also think that it's sort of a double-edged sword of when you know, you're going to be out there, you would think that you'd play looser because it's not like there's a whole lot of areas to turn on the bench. And the minutes distribution would, would incline that. I mean, the fact is, Day Wusu, Davis, and Richmond all played 34-plus minutes against Baylor. And that's how it's going to be for the majority of the season. And that's a lot of minutes. It is. It's a lot of minutes. But I just I, – I, I think it's a, it's a conundrum. I mean, it's, it's confusing because if we had a good answer by now, wouldn't Gene Holloway have, <laughs> have employed whatever the, the solution is? But I – I think sometimes these guys, you know, they, they, they play hard, Matt. They really they do. do. Yeah. They play hard. I, I think sometimes taking a step back within the course of a game and almost just taking a breath and understanding that, you know, you, you are a veteran. You're not going anywhere. Your coach does trust you. But sometimes playing hard 
playing too hard, it's very difficult to do that for 40 minutes against really good competition and win because sometimes when when you hit the gas pedal too hard within the course of a game, Matt, you start to play hard and not always play as smart. And I think that's where composure for this team is really important in game. And, and isn't it interesting? Composure to me is as important as anything when you play a rivalry game. So if you're coming into this game Saturday night and you're, you're playing so super hard and so it, there's nothing wrong with playing hard, but you don't want to play hard and then have things backfire on you. So I, I think sometimes this team, you know, Kadari has been a, a leader and has improved in that leadership skill. I think it's important in these types of games, like a Saturday night where you step up vocally, you collect your guys in key moments, you bring your guys together. I think that might be something that's missing thus far that needs to show up. And I think these guys realize it, but now we have to see it come to fruition. It's a weird balance though. It's a great question asked by you. I don't think there's one solution, but I, I, you could tell that Dawes is pressing, Yes, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to make a shot, take a deep breath. And, and maybe instead of trying to knock down a three, deliver a ball, fake, put the ball on the floor, deliver a pass to somebody else or draw a foul. Yeah, contribute some other way if the if the shot's not falling. So the outside game, critical, making shots, obviously a key for each side. W- what about the inside game? Amore, Cliff Amore's not gotten off to the start that uh, Steve Peichel would have hoped. Uh, the Pirates can have Betty Ako on him. I don't know if that's a great physical matchup, uh, but Betty Ako's been, to me, a revelation. They get Seton Hall back, gets Elijah Hutchins Everett back, uh, recently, and then David Tubek. I don't know. Is he? Do you know anything? Is, he left last the, the last game and was complaining about some back situation. But if he can play, uh, they've got those guys at all three that can kind of counteract what Amori might do. How do you see the inside game working? Well, I think it is a massive key to the game, and and I say that because when Cliff Amori's at his best, he's one of the five six best players in the big 10. The problem is he has not been there mm-hmm. for Rutgers. He just, he hasn't stepped up and I, I'm, I'm puzzled because, you know, a team that is younger and, and inexperienced in some areas like Rutgers is, how is Cliff Amore only attempting four shots against Wake Forest? That is just strange to me uh, because you would think that you'd be pounding the post and, trying to make life really difficult, but they have not. And I think people are willing to give them threes, which is why, again, perimeter shooting is, is what could very well decide this game. But, but I think Seton Hall, look, last year they did a, a they did Yeoman's work with the way that they defended Rutgers and, and the way that they made it physical. This team has to play a little bit differently, but you're right. Betty Ako has been a revelation. And Elijah Hutchins Everett is now that guy, Matt, where he has five fouls. And so you're going to work with him on that because mm-hmm. it's not like a Mori, it's not like a Mori is going to get fouled, go to the line and can kill you. I mean, on the year he's 57% from the free throw line. And if you remember last year, Seton Hall fouled him a couple times. Yep. He missed the front end and they got the ball back and it worked out pretty well in their favor. So I, I think that, that they'll be okay. I mean, 
to me, you know what's really interesting is, and I'll, I'll be I'll be intrigued to see how Shaheen Holloway uses this as the year goes on. Jaden Bediako went five for eight against Baylor. Jaden Bediako has been a revelation. You're absolutely right. Can they continue to use him in ball screen situations when when Seton Hall's on offense? Have him set up a ball screen, space the floor, and be able to clear the lane, be able to get a kick out for a three, but be able to use Betty Ako as a scorer. I mean, the fact is, Betty Ako, he had four blocks against Baylor as well. So I trust him. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to fight his tail off. And now with Hutchins Everett back, there's not all the pressure in the world on him being able to play 35 minutes. He's going to play 27, 28 minutes. Hutchins Everett's the guy that can fill in there. But I, I think Seton Hall's going to hold up okay there, Matt. I, I'm not as worried. It's interesting. We came into the year worried about the front court. As I talk with you today, I'm more worried about the veteran guys and their shooting ability. Uh, that's dead on. That, that's that been the Achilles heel at this point. So last few, and we'll let you go. Uh, and, and that is the, the backdrop of this game. And this is Pirates Talk, so it's a Seton Hall-centered, centric uh, podcast. But a bit of the backdrop is that this week, Rutgers gets Dylan Harper to you know sign on the dotted line, so to speak. Uh, the recruiting wars are so critical. Uh, maybe it's not a backdrop, I, but it's a strong undercurrent, certainly, of what this matchup's all about, isn't it, the recruiting battles? Yes, yes. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, it's about winning this game. And winning still matters. It still matters. Um, you know, you can you can talk about your NIL and whatnot, but as much as Rutgers gets the latest recruiting win in Dylan Harper, and he's their highest-rated prospect in program history, and and it's a huge get. I don't want to downplay the get at all. It's a massive, massive get. By the same token, Matt, when the off-season rolls around. What rules this sport? Transfer yep. portal. Yep. And who you get in the portal right now is dictating. If you're a Rutgers or a Seton Hall, it's going to dictate how your next season's going to go. Because as much as Harper and Ace Bailey are, are terrific, terrific guys coming into this Rutgers program. And I don't, I don't, again, if Seton Hall had these two guys coming in, it'd be huge. It's huge for Rutgers. But I think, when you look at college basketball, and I would say the same thing if this were, was Seton Hall, rest assured. You know, when you look at college basketball, how you end up doing is what you're getting from your upperclassmen. Mm -hmm. And if you're not getting anything from them, it's hard for freshmen to win. It's a lot to ask. Ask Duke right now how they're doing, even though they've got sophomores back, how they're handling life away from home. It's it's we could go right down the line. It's hard to win in this sport when you're young. Tom Izzo brought in a five-star freshman named Xavier Booker, Matt. And Tom Izzo's front court last year was very, very flawed. All the other pieces from that front court are back. He hasn't played Booker. Don't you think if he could play Booker, he would? Of course. My point is <laughs> it's it's difficult. It's difficult yeah. to be a freshman in college hoops. But you are absolutely right. This is about recruiting. This is about pride. It's about bragging rights. It is the Garden State Hardwood Classic. It is one of the most underrated rivalries in the country. And Saturday night, I expect the Prudential Center to be rocking. 
I think it's great that it's a Saturday night game. People think it's too late. It's a Saturday night. Come on, enjoy yourself. <laughs> exactly. Not doing much on Sunday anyways. The football season's long over in, in this part of town. So <laughs> the fact is, this is huge. It will be huge. And it is about recruiting. It is about pride. And it comes during a time where both these teams badly need this game. I don't know how you could be intrigued and excited about this matchup. Sellout at Prudential Center. And oh, by the way, Shaw's done okay in terms of players. He's had commit to Seton Hall and recruiting trails too. Maybe not of the notoriety of Harper and Bailey, but nonetheless, uh, he's gotten a couple of guys, impactful guys to sign on the dotted line too. So what will this come down to as we uh, finalize this uh, conversation? How do you see things playing out? Well, I, I think it comes down to number one, both these teams have struggled at the start of the game. Okay. So Rutgers was down 18 to three to wake Forest. Seton hall has had a couple of really rough starts and then has been able to chip away at games, but you can't come out of the box in a rivalry game slow. You can't do it or else you're going to be fighting upstream the whole game. So the first five minutes for me are big. They're, they're, they're rather large in this game. Number two, can they get, can Seton Hall get Kadari Richmond, Alamir Doss, Dylan Adewusu in sync, in rhythm, and going? Conversely, can Rutgers defend Richmond? Can Rutgers contain Richmond and make his life difficult? Now, I, I think for Rutgers, to me, I look at two things. Number one, Noah Fernandes is 28% from three on the year. Gavin Griffiths is around 30%. Matt, when they were knocking down some threes against Georgetown, the game, it wasn't much of a game. Now, Georgetown's in a rebuild, but Georgetown almost beat TCU. But Rutgers needs their perimeter shot makers to step up. They really do. And they've got to avoid turnovers. Right now for Rutgers, they have four guys with 13 or more turnovers. They have 97 assists, and that includes some bye games, Matt. 91 giveaways. So the giveaways have been an issue. I think Andre Hyatt is huge for Rutgers. I think it's an interesting matchup between Hyatt and Dre Davis. You know, I think it's important for both those players who wins that matchup 1v1, Davis or Hyatt. But for me, uh, it's, it's Rutgers. Can they not turn the ball over? And then for Seton Hall, can their backcourt get in sync? I, I think, like, for Rutgers, the biggest key should be Cliff Amore, but he hasn't shown us quite yet that he's going to be that guy. Will he break out on Saturday night? Will a rivalry game produce his best performance? His last two games, he's 5 for 14 from the floor. Let's see if that changes Saturday night. And uh, if it does, it means that Jaden Bediaco's in some foul trouble. So it's important that he stays out of that on Seton Hall side. The Boardwalk Trophy is at stake. A lot of local pride is at stake. And in terms of where these programs want to start turning the ship, uh, a lot is at stake. John, I wish I could say I would see you and your partner, Jim Spinarkle, on Saturday. Uh, duty calls for the New Jersey Devils. I'll be in the province of Alberta. But the good news is we have an afternoon game against Calgary. We should get into Edmonton in time that I'll be able to watch the game. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this matchup and, of course, hoping that Seton Hall comes out victorious. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you. And that will do it for this edition of Pirates Talk presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. Must win might be too strong of a term, but important? You better believe it. Let's see if the Pirates can get off to a good start, something that's been an issue this season, 
and kickstart a run in December. It's too early to say a loss would end any hopes for a successful season for Seton Hall, however that's defined, but it would not be a good sign and continue the team's downward spiral. Special thanks to Pat Christensen, our audio engineer and the writer and performer of the Pirates Talk theme. His work on the show is invaluable and much appreciated. As is your company. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and go Pirates! <laughs>